Hello everyone and welcome back to Murphy's League. This episode we're going to be reviewing week three. It was a pretty ugly week of football so let's just jump straight into it. So like I said before, this week was really just a gross week of football. There was a lot of mismanagement in games. There was a lot of missed field goals. There was a lot of missed opportunities by teams. It was just a very ugly week throughout. Um, a lot of low scoring games, a lot of teams that looked really, really bad. I'd say the best game of the weekend as far as just entertainment value was probably either the Lions and Vikings or the Ravens and Patriots. Obviously, there was a few really good games that came down to it. Chief excuse me, Chiefs, Colts, Texans, Bears, those ended up being very close games. Obviously, Lions and Vikings came down to it, but that was mostly just because of mistakes made by both sides of the ball, or both teams, I guess. But we'll get to all of that. I want to start with a banger of a game, one game that I was really, really upset about because I was it was the last thing I needed in my parlay. Sure enough, the Bills lost to the Miami Dolphins. Absolute crazy game. The Dolphins, I mean, I've got to give them credit. Like, at this point, it's just you can't really... Obviously, the Ravens game was craziness, and I did attribute it to a little bit of a flukiness. You know, I was crediting the Miami Dolphins offense a lot, but I was also discrediting the Ravens play calling in their defense because something like that just realistically... Shouldn't happen. Um, it's borderline unacceptable. I mean, it is unacceptable if you're a Ravens fan and if you're a Ravens defensive coordinator for the Ravens players, etc., etc. But this week, the way they beat the Bills was most impressive to me. I mean, to be able to go out and beat the Bills with, obviously, um, Jalen Waddle did his thing. He still had four catches for 102 yards. But to keep Tyreek Hill in check the way they did, only two catches for 33 yards, and they still found a way to win this game, it's extremely impressive stuff. They're winning in a ton of different ways. They have a ton of studs on defense making plays all over the place. Javon Holland, I want to give him a special shout out because, one, he went to Oregon. Obviously, I went to Oregon as a freshman. I still have a lot of bias for that team because, you know, I, I love the Oregon Ducks no matter what. A special place in my heart there. And Javon Holland is someone I was super high coming out of the draft. He had an excellent rookie year, and he's looking like he's becoming a really serious star in this league he's just so versatile they do so much with him they obviously have a lot of trust in him and for good purpose i mean for good reason he's an excellent player he had a sack and a half in this game making plays in the run game making plays in the pass game and then obviously coming off the edge as a blitzer and being extremely efficient at it melvin ingram had himself a hell of a game he forced a turnover from josh allen the only turnover of the bills ended up coming in a very crucial moment early in the game if i'm not mistaken um so Good to see that veteran still, you know, making plays, sticking around. Um, it's just an overall really great team win. Uh, re again, just so impressed. You have to be so impressed with what you're seeing from the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa. Um, there was a little bit of controversy in this game around him. If you haven't heard of it, he did look like he definitely had a concussion in this game. Um, it was not pretty. He was li literally stumbling around. Uh, looking absolutely lost. Teddy Bridgewater came in for a couple plays, didn't end up completing the pass. I think he was like over two or something like that. Um, and then Tonga Vailoa came back in to a lot of people's surprise. 
um, including my own. So the, it sounds like the NFL is going to be reviewing their concussion protocols, which is definitely fair after this game because I don't know how he was allowed to get back on the field. Same with T. Higgins. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that as well, but T. Higgins got absolutely fucking blown up in this game against the Jets, um, which I'm not really going to talk about that game. I feel like that game was just such a great bounce back for Cincy. They were bound to win a game sooner rather than later. And of course, the Jets just happened to be their, the team in their path. But if you're not aware, T. Higgins got locked, got knocked out last week with a concussion. He came back this week and got absolutely obliterated and then was back in the game later. So it was really weird to see. But anyways, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, just an efficient game. They only asked him to pass the ball 18 times. If I'm being honest, I, I haven't checked the total yards, passing yards. I'm going to actually look it up right now. But I'm willing to bet Buffalo outgained him in every single category. And it was just... Miami's defense, again, just made key plays. They they showed up when it mattered most. And the Bills, they couldn't get it done in a certain certain aspects, which is just incredible. It's, it's, it's a, a very impressive feat for the Miami Dolphins because to go the slate of games they've played, I mean, the Patriots are the team they've always had. It's a conference game. You can never count out the Patriots. That was week one. Obviously, we all know what happened in the Ravens game. One of the most impressive wins I've seen in the last couple of years, regardless of the team, regardless of the quarterback. And then, of course, beating the Buffalo Bills, who look like the world beater, the Super Bowl favorites, Josh Allen's favorite to win the MVP, everyone's darling, you know, just, and they still found a way to win. It's so impressive. So, yeah, I'm looking at the numbers right now. They had 212 total yards compared to the Buffalo Bills, 500. So, obviously, that's not entirely sustainable. You don't expect to win games like that. But at the end of the day, they got it done. They did what they needed to, and it's extremely impressive. Again, the fumble, very clutched by Melvin Ingram. Um... But even this third down efficiency of the Bills were 11 of 18. The Dolphins were only 3 of 8. The Bills had 31 first downs. The Dolphins only had 14. The Bills had 40 minutes of possession. 40 compared to just 19 of the Miami Dolphins. 14-40 if you want to be precise. 19-20 for the Dolphins obviously has to add up to 60 minutes. But I mean the Bills completely controlled this game. But the Dolphins ended up winning. So again you can contribute that a lot of, a lot of it just to being fluky. But I mean, if you have back-to-back fluky weeks, you're doing something right. They're finding ways to win games. That's all that matters. They're 3-0. They're one of the only 3-0 teams in the league in addition to the Eagles, um, who, again, played one of those really ugly games that just absolutely slaughtered the Washington Commanders. wasn't even close. Um, And obviously, a big talking point in this game, before I move on to the next game, is the butt safety, the butt punt. I don't know what people are calling it, but... Either way, it was 17-21. It was really looking like the game was over. Sure enough, <laughs> the punter butts, punts it off the ass of someone blocking for him. It ends up being a safety, and the Buffalo Bills look like they have a chance to bring it into field goal range. And then I believe it was Isaiah McKenzie, if I'm not mistaken, who tried to cut up field instead of going out of bounds. And it obviously, it still would have been really close. Who knows if he could have gotten there. But I think genuinely they would have had a second or two to at least try a field goal if he did get out of bounds. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up the end of this game. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, There's also a viral clip of the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, absolutely losing his mind. And for good reason. I mean, that's... Pretty unacceptable stuff when you're getting paid that much. And I'm sure they're teaching this in practice. I'm sure that in the huddle they were saying to get out of bounds and not fight for extra yards. So just bad decision making there. And obviously, who knows? Maybe the kicker would have missed the kick anyways. Maybe it would have been too far. But 
again, you could go the other way. Who knows? If he did go out of bounds, maybe the kicker makes the kick and the Buffalo Bills win this game. And I win all my money. So, obviously, I'm a little upset about this game. But you got to give credit to the Dolphins. They found a way to win this game. Maybe they didn't deserve it wholeheartedly. But, hey, scoreboard is scoreboard. That's all that matters at the end game. Whoever scores more points wins the game. Yards, all that stuff doesn't matter. So, Miami Dolphins have to be extremely impressed. And you have to be so stoked if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. Up next, let's talk about what game do I want to talk about next? I guess let's just, I'm jumping around. I've got my notes here, but I don't really want to go in the order that I wrote them down in. So let's just go to the the Lions versus the Vikings. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, this was one of those really ugly games. It was like neither team wanted to win. I mean, even to start the game, both teams opened their drives, missing the field goal. Um, so it was just right out the gates just a really awkward clunky game uh, not a lot was really going well for both offenses um and then the lions kind of did the lions things where you know they they finally put some points up and the fourth quarter was coming around i believe there's 10 minutes left in the fourth when they were up by 10 um so as a lions fan you have to be extremely excited for that but then yeah, it's just, again, it was just ugly. It seemed like they didn't want to win this game. They just couldn't close it out. There was a couple play calls that I really didn't like. The Vikings didn't even do anything particularly well by the end of this game. The Lions just really had a few crucial mistakes. I really hated that fourth down play call. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, look it up. There was a fourth down play call at the end of the game that Lions were trying to just ice it out. Ended up not working out for him. Vikings got the ball back. And the Vikings basically turned around and did the exact same thing. Went for it on fourth down. Didn't get it. It didn't matter. They ended up with the ball back. Uh, KJ Osborne and Kirk Cousins. They tend to do this. This walk-off touchdown thing. They did it against the Panthers last year as well. But I mean, just a really ugly game. I'm expecting a lot more from both of these teams going forward. You can see where you know their potential lies. You can see why they um, you know, are what's the word, being hyped up. You can see why I was excited about them coming into the season. Both of these teams, honestly, you can see why there's something to look forward to for both of these teams. Um, one thing to monitor in this game, especially if you're a fantasy player, is Dalvin Cook's health. It sounded like he has a shoulder injury. It sounded like it got dislocated and popped, popped back in. Um, I forget what that exact word is for that. There's a word for that injury. But either way, he dealt with this type of stuff last year. So it is kind of concerning. Um, luckily, if you listen to me before the season, you already have Alexander Madison on your roster if you're a Dalvin Cook owner. So you shouldn't really stress about it too much. But I'm more worried that right now it sounded like he's day to day and they're going to limit him a little bit. So I'm slightly worried about this being more of a committee and them splitting touches. Um, either way, both, both of these running backs are very good. They're very efficient. Uh, whoever is the full-time starter, you're definitely going to want to be starting in fantasy no matter what. If they're both going to get reps, then I guess you can spec like low-end RB2 production from both of them and maybe just like have Madison as your flex and don't expect too much from Dalvin Cook as your RB2. Obviously, you probably drafted him as an RB1, so you're expecting the most from him. But over these next couple weeks, I would just continue to monitor that because he's definitely not going to be 100% healthy for at least a little bit, especially if this is a, you know, an injury that keeps reoccurring. Another really interesting thing in this game was Justin Jefferson was extremely, unusually quiet in this game. It was really the game of Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne. Not that Kirk Cousins played this masterful game. His stats really weren't that great. I mean, he went 24 for 41, 260 yards and two touchdowns. If I'm being honest, they're almost identical to Jared Goff's. Jared Goff 
24 of 41 so one less completion exact same amount of attempts 17 more yards one touchdown instead of two but i mean jamal williams had two rushing touchdowns so that's where it makes up for in the difference and even jared goff's interception was garbage time hail mary at the end of the game so you really can't take that into consideration but again this is the game of fantasy injuries and stuff to monitor deandre swift also got beat up in this game which led to jamal williams get a much more significant workload so again if jamal williams just something to monitor if he's not going to be playing jamal williams is someone you're going to want to be starting at your flex or rb2 and expect pretty good production from him i mean he's a very solid back they like to use him in the red zone even when deandre swift is in the game they like to use him down there so those are very valuable touches and other than that Amar ross st brown continues to cook josh reynolds actually played pretty well in this game he had six catches for 96 yards so that's someone to monitor but not really a necessary waiver waiver wire ad yet just someone to monitor and again i mean if you just look at the stats of this game it was a very similar game i think the in total the Lions had a little more yards in this one. So again, you can see where they came out to an early lead, but their efficiency was just really bad. On third downs, they were three and 16. You need to improve on that if you wanna win your games. Um, they, they didn't allow a single sack, which is really impressive. I really liked what I saw from their O-line. Um, and they only had one sack on the Lions, so you wanna see a little bit better from that. That was something they really struggled with last year. But regardless, this was just, the Lions, again, it's ugly. They should have won this game. They had a lot of opportunities to win this game. The Vikings end up squeaking by, and I mean, they end up, you know, continuing to compete in the NFC North. I'm beginning to think I overvalued them, but I guess we'll see. Up next, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's stay in the NFC North. Um, this was, again, just, <laughs> I sound like a brokered record, but it's so true. This was just an ugly ugly game just a lot of battling going on in the trenches um romeo dubs had a breakout game so a lot of people are picking him up in fantasy i he got a lot of hype coming into the season so i think a lot of it was finally justified alan lazard finally got his touchdown if you're an alan lazard owner like me you're very happy about that one but i mean romeo dubs seriously eight catches 73 yards they used him in a lot of different creative ways um i really think they like what they're seeing from him christian watson obviously didn't play in this one so that helped i don't think sammy watkins was playing either if i'm not mistaken so that definitely helped his, excuse me, his volume and his workload. But regardless, um, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon stood, stayed very quiet in this one. This Buccaneers defense is, especially their front seven, is extremely stout and great at stopping the run. But I mean, this was just a Matt LaFleur masterpiece in a lot of ways because they just found ways to get it done. It just, it wasn't sexy it wasn't appealing again it was 12 to 14 if you took the under with me on my best bets last week you're extremely happy um, i'm very happy that did hit um but again it was just exactly what i expected both these defenses showed up both of these offenses looked pretty putrid considering their their quarterbacks that were playing behind those um playing for those offenses excuse me it just you don't expect you know a aaron Rodgers tom brady game if you told me three years ago that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were playing each other and this score ended up being 12 to 14. You definitely think Brady was still playing for the Patriots and I don't know what you would have thought about the Patriots. I mean, sorry, I don't know what you would have thought about the Packers, but either way, it was just, just a really slow, ugly game and the Packers are proving they can win games like this with their defense. I really thought that their defense was going to be a lot better to start the year and they were going to be a lot more stout against the run. They showed that in this game in a lot of instances. Their secondary is extremely good. Just on paper, their defense is 
stacked in every single position they can be extremely efficient they showed it in this game i know tampa was missing like all their top dogs they're missing mike evans chris godwin and julio jones i think even even if one of those guys were playing this game could have gone a little differently but i mean the packers find a way to squeak it out ugly and that's that's all that really matters again it doesn't matter who's not playing it doesn't matter all this again the, we can assume the outfit the outcome excuse me would be different if all these things happened but we don't know that at the end of the day and they held Tampa Bay to scoring no touchdowns at all, which at the end of the day, that's that's an impressive feat. You have to give them some credit for that. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I can look it up right now. Yeah, so the Packers were actually held out completely scoreless in the second half. So their offense was basically entirely negated. Not, not basically, they was entirely negated for an entire half. And their defense just found a way to hang on and win the game. So got to give some credit there, especially against the GOAT. You know, we know, all know how clutch he is. Um, and again, it was just a really well- Played game by Matt LaFleur. He controlled the clock. The time of possession was slightly in their favor. Um, they forced a couple fumbles on defense, which ended up making a big, really big difference. Um, Aaron Rodgers even threw a pick, but it didn't come back to bite him in the ass. So just a lot to like from the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. Um, a few sacks in there. I believe there's three sacks for the Green Bay Packers. So Green Bay is showing that they're still... They're still in it. They're still hanging around. Again, I think if Tampa has their guys healthy, they easily win this game. But hey, you got to give them some credit. They're still hanging around. They've got a winning record for now. And again, if they played the Vikings again next week and they have their guys healthy, I really don't think the Vikings are winning that game. I think that was just a week one type deal. And I still think that at the end of the day, if I had to pick right now, obviously before the season, I like the Vikings a lot to win the division. But if you force me to pick right now, I'd probably still have to say the Packers as much as it sucks and it pains me to say. Up next, oh man, what ugly game do I want to talk about next? I'm going all out of order in my notes, but I don't even care. I really don't have that many notes of the Texans-Bears. Um, the one, I mean, honestly, what really stood out to me was Justin Fields played really, he had a really, really bad game. If we're keep, keeping it completely realistic with ourselves, I like what he did with his feet a lot. I like some of his decision makings, um, decisions of just taking off when nothing was there. Um, that was something I really liked about Daniel Jones in the Giants and Cowboys game. Similarly, what, I'll talk about that later. Um, other than that, though, I mean, he just had a few really bad throws, a few really bad reads. There was a couple times where he just completely misread a play. I mean, you make one decision differently and... Seriously, it could have turned into six six points more than one on more than one occasion. Excuse me, um, he completely missed Cole Komet on one side on one time. Um, Jalen Petrie ended up picking him off twice. Actually, Jalen Petrie was all over the place in this game. If you're a Texans fan, you have to be extremely excited about that guy. He looks like an absolute steal in the draft. If you know me, you know I was really high on him. Um, I'm sure there were more people that were you know preaching him more than I. But I mean. You have to be excited for what you saw. Two picks and a sack in this game. He was all over the place. Seriously, all over the place. Jerry Hughes continued to have a really good game. Derek Stingley actually got a sack in this game. So, again, new acquisitions for the Texans. You love to see that type of stuff. Um, just as a whole, the, this Bears offense is not looking very good unless they're running the ball, which I guess that leads me to my next thing I want to talk about. Khalil Herbert. Absolute stud. If you don't have him in fantasy, go pick him up. David Montgomery's dealing with an injury. I don't know the exact status of the injury. I don't know if he's day-to-day. -day. I don't know how if he's expected to miss time. But either way, I mean, Khalil Herbert is seriously giving him a run for his money at the starting job. And David Montgomery's a really goddamn good running back. Don't get me wrong. But this might end up being more of a committee situation just because of how productive Khalil Herbert is. Every time he gets an opportunity, he absolutely makes the most out of it. It's sounding like... 
Um, Montgomery is dealing with a knee slash ankle injury, and he is day to day. I just looked it up, but <laughs> you can hear the little click. But I mean, seriously, Khalil Herbert might still be a valuable add just because, again, when he's playing, he's extremely efficient. I love what I see from him every time he plays. Um, and running back health is definitely something that can be very shady. It can be very hit or miss week to week. And when someone comes back, you never know when they're going to get beat up again. Obviously, it's one of the most volatile positions in terms of injury. So it can just be a worthy stash, a worthy handcuff because, again, he balled out this week. 20 carries, 7.8 yard per touch and two touchdowns. That is absolutely baller stuff. Um, Equinemius St. Brown had a really long rush in this game. So him and him and the other St. Brown, his brother Amara, were balling out in the same weekend. We'd love to see that kind of stuff. Darnell Mooney it's kind of completely disappeared from this offense. But I mean, that's what happens when you only have eight completions all game long. They found a way to win. So again, that's what matters. Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson making plays. Honestly, it was more so Kendall Veldor, who's someone I'm not really high on at all. The corner batted the ball, and then Eddie Jackson picks it off in the back of the end zone. But regardless, that's the type of stuff you love to see from Eddie Jackson as a Bears fan because we all know how good he can be when he's on his shit. Roquan Smith, though, I mean, just pay the fucking dude. Like, he is that dude. He is ridiculous. Two tackles for loss, 16 tackles, if I'm not mistaken, and an interception in this game in a very, very key moment that... Seriously, if he doesn't make that play, we're probably losing that game. We're definitely losing that game. Let's be real with ourselves. And no one wants to lose to the Texans. <laughs> so at the end of the day, um, I need to see more from Fields. I really, really disliked what I saw from him here. We purely won because of our defense and our rushing game. Um, and even though our pass protection is pretty damn bad as a whole, our run blocking is like weirdly good, all things considered. Um, I really like the holes they were opening up. Obviously, Khalil Herbert was making the most of it. He looks extremely explosive and dynamic, but I mean, that doesn't start from nothing. They were opening up holes from him. It's our run, excuse me, our run blocking is pretty damn good. Our pass blocking, I don't think it's as bad as it seems. I think Fields kind of does create some trouble for himself sometimes, and he can't hold on to the ball for too long. Um, part of that is due to play calling. They just don't have as, as many design, just get the ball out of his hand quickly, but they do do that. They do do. They do some of those things for him at the end of the day. So a lot of this does fall on him. You need to see more from him. He's had some really bright moments and some really bright spots. This game as a whole was not one of them. One of his ugliest games I've seen from him, honestly. And I don't know. You don't like to see that against the Texans. The Texans are not a very good team right now. Obviously, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, those dudes are on the come up. Really, really good young players. So Give him some credit there, but as a whole, you want to see better from Justin Fields. I do expect to see better, and just hoping that this is not the final product. This is not the Justin Fields we're going to get, and I hope, you know, however many months, marches from now that we're not drafting a quarterback, because I really want him to be our guy. Obviously, you never want to go back to the, this, the, excuse me, the whiteboard and have to start from scratch. That's, you want this, you, you want Justin to be the guy. Just, just saying it that way. But 82 passing yards, not going to get it done. That's just not sustainable. You can't continue to expect to win games that way. And you can't ex continue to expect our defense to just carry us like this. Um, again, the Texans are not a good team. So, yeah, not ideal. Let's move on to... What do I want to talk about next? I guess we could talk about the Giants-Cowboys because I was just talking about that briefly. Um, this was another pretty ugly game to start off. It got... It got really fun once the second half started. There was a lot more scoring. I believe it was 6-6 at halftime. Really not too much entertaining stuff. But 
Daniel Jones was actually making a lot of really good decisions. I got to give him some credit there. When the pocket was collapsing, he was taking off and running. He was taking the quick dump offs. Um, he was just making a lot of really good decisions. His only really bad one was, again, towards the end of the game, Trayvon Diggs totally should have had a pick on him um, against Richie James. He just... He, it went right through his hands, frankly, and then he ended up getting it back, so it didn't really matter. But that was like purely the only horrendous decision making he made all game. I was impressed with Daniel Jones for the most part. I just, I just, me and everyone else just saw how bad his offensive line played. I mean, the Cowboys were getting pressure so consistently, and I think a lot of that has to be given credit to. Obviously, their dudes did a lot of really good things. Demarcus Lawrence. Showed up big in this game. He had three sacks. Um, but, I mean, Dan Quinn knows what he's doing. He's a great, and I mean great, defensive coordinator. Um, he really, really gets these guys prepared and gets them thinking. And they have a lot of creative blitz blitzes, and they know how to use their personnel. Sorry, that was kind of loud. Um, but overall, the Cowboys just won this game traditionally. They won it in the trenches. Their running game, especially Tyler Smith. want to give a shout-out to him. The commentators, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman, actually – Mentioned this very early in the game, and I'm glad they did. Tyler Smith is really impressing me, considering how young he is, how he was considered a very raw prospect coming out of college. I definitely considered him that. I liked him, don't get me wrong. I liked a lot of his tools, but I thought he was going to need a lot more reps. I thought he was, sorry. I thought he was going to start at guard 100%, and they were going to move him to tackle, and then it was going to be one of those slow rolling things where you don't all like what you see at once, but you see what's there. You like his tools. He's young. You know, he has room to grow, but... He's already starting out a left tackle, and he's holding his own, especially in the run game. He was mauling some people a couple times. He had a really good block for Zeke uh, towards the end of the game to kind of ice it out. Um, so really impressed what I'm seeing there. Jason Peters, they have him at guard, which is perfect. That's exactly where he should be. He should not be a tackle at this age. He probably like realistically shouldn't really be playing in the league. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still getting it done, and I'm really glad they moved him to guard. So, again, the Cowboys won this game traditionally. Cooper Rush made just enough plays. CeeDee Lamb had a ridiculous one-handed catch, which I'm sure most of you guys have seen already. Uh, Noah Brown continues to impress. Um, Noah Brown seriously might be a viable fantasy option once Dak Prescott is back. Obviously, Michael Gallup is going to come back at some point, and you expect him to kind of take over that role. But Noah Brown is giving himself a case for just continuing to see snaps and playing time. And Michael Gallup coming off an ACL, they might want to kind of ease him back. Um, so either way, Cooper Cooper Rush, excuse me, I almost said Cooper Cup. Cooper Rush did just enough to win this game. Cowboys won traditionally in the trenches. Uh, good for them. Kind of a correctional game in the NFC East just to like get everything back to kind of how we expected it. Obviously, the Giants started off really hot 2-0, but expectations weren't very high there. Cowboys, expectations you can argue still not very high, but we did expect them to be better than the Giants. So even with you know their Dak Prescott out, Cooper Rush, again, did what he needed to. Cowboys get the dub. Good for them. What game do I want to talk about next? Again, I'm just jumping around all over my notes. I think I have to talk about this game just at least really briefly because I did mention the loser of this game would be in a lot of trouble. The Raiders lost again. <laughs> and the Titans looked like the Titans of old. The Titans were doing a great job just controlling the clock. Uh, Derrick Henry looked fresh. He had a lot of really big runs in this game. Um, and then... That entire offense just built around that run game and that intimidation of Derrick Henry anytime might get the ball and run you the fuck over. So the play action was clicking. Robert Woods was clicking. Traylon Burks had a catch or two in this game. I'm going to look up the exact stats in this game. But I mean, all in all, the Titans just look like the Titans of old. They kind of choked it by the end of the game. But Ryan Tannehill, for the most part, was very efficient. He did have an interception, again, towards the end of the game that... 
was kind of sketchy and it made this game a lot closer than it needed to be. But I mean, Robert Woods, 8 for 85, very efficient stuff. Um, Traylon Burks only had that one catch, so I'm completely lying through my teeth. Sorry about that. Kevin Byard, doing Kevin Byard things, had a pick in this game. Um, but overall, a lot of the Raiders' numbers really came in garbage time towards the end of the game. Um, I was surprised it got as close as it did. They were obviously one two-point conversion away from turning it into overtime, and then who knows what would have happened. But I think a really, really big factor in this game is Matt Collins. Like, who? What? What the fuck? What? It's eight catches, 158 yards, and a touchdown. I don't think anyone's really seen that coming. He's a seriously valuable fantasy option now, it seems. A lot of people are picking him up. Um, obviously, everyone was expecting... Adams and Waller and Renfro to be the guys in this offense with Renfro being out this game Mac Collins stepped up in a huge way I really I don't know it was kind of weird to see Demonte Adams not as involved as I thought maybe he could have been I thought they could have used him a lot more obviously the touchdown grab incredible play that's exactly why you got a guy like Devonte Adams but I don't know just all in all the Titans did have a good scheme to like eliminate him in a lot of ways he was bracketed in a lot of plays at least from the TV broadcast point of view. I need to watch the film more in this game, but he looked like he was bracketed on a lot of plays, and I don't know. It was just, it was kind of weird. I was expecting a lot more Darren Waller, Devontae Adams in this game. Derek Carr, his stats weren't terrible. I think he was, yeah, 26 for 44, 303 yards, but watching the game, it did not feel that good. It really felt like he, his stats were a lot worse than that. Um, Josh Jacobs only had 13 carries because they were throwing the shit out of the ball basically all game playing catch-up. Um, but either way, you got to be really nervous if you're a Raiders fan. This was an absolute must-win game for you guys, especially keeping up with your rivals in the AFC West. Luckily, the Broncos aren't looking too good, but at the end of the day, the record is 2-1. You guys are 0-3. That's You have to make up a lot of ground. And even though the Chargers are beat up right now, and they just got, excuse me, whew, even though they just got spanked by the Jaguars in their own place, I mean... They're really beat up right now, and they can get healthy. And again, they're, at the end of the day, they have one more win than you. So you got to catch up to them. Um, I think Josh McDaniels is kind of over his skis as a head coach. I really just – I didn't love that hire when it happened, and now I don't love it even more. Um, I don't want to say the season's over because it's only three weeks, and now there's an extra game, obviously, from last year. Um but it's hard to really expect a lot from the Raiders right now. And if you're a Raiders fan, I mean, you got to be fuming. Up next, let's talk about let's talk about two more games here. I'm not going to touch obviously I don't touch about on every all of them every single week. Um, and there's just a lot of fucking ugly games, so I really don't want to talk about it. But let's talk about the Colts and the Chiefs. The Colts finally get their first win of the season and it is against the Kansas City Chiefs, a fully healthy Kansas City Chiefs, mind you. And the, the Colts didn't have Darius Leonard, so very impressive stuff there. But, again, just a weird type of game. I, I just really was not expecting this to happen. You got to give credit to the Colts. They made plays when it really counted most. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't have an excellent game, but, I mean, he didn't have a bad game. He had a pick in this game, but it wasn't, like, entirely ugly or anything. Uh, Juju Smith-Suster made some plays in this game. Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, enunciate that better. Um, but I mean, they held Jonathan Taylor to a really low average, 21 carries, only 3.4 yards per carry. Um, but I mean, the Colts rookies showed up at times. Alec Pierce made a lot of really big plays for them. And then Jelani Woods, 
the man of the game. First two catches of his NFL careers, both touchdowns. Um, really, really impressive stuff. He looks exactly like Mo Ali Cox out there. Uh, they got the exact same build. They're both fucking huge tight ends, like absolutely massive individuals. Um, but I mean, as a Colts fan, you got to be really excited to see that. And just really love to see, you know, your young guys making plays. Obviously, if you're any team at all, um, you love to see that. But regardless, the Colts just seem to have something figured out about the Chiefs. They always seem to play the Chiefs really, really well. And this is exactly what you've been waiting for if you're a Colts fan. They're now 1-1-1, one, 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 a very weird record, um, especially the way it came, like tying to the Texans, absolutely getting obliterated by the Jags, and then beating one of the best teams in football. Just a really weird team that I really don't know what to take away from too much right now because... Again, they're just so up and down. I don't know what to expect. I don't really know what to think. But that's kind of why we love this sport. That's what makes every sun given Sunday so interesting. I would have never seen this coming. And here we are. The Colts beat the Chiefs. So, Colts fans, you have some hope. There's The playoff hopes are alive and well. Excuse me. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are now on top of your division. So, a team that you have consistently struggled against, um, especially when you're playing down there. So, going to be really interesting to see what goes on in this AFC South because it's such a weird division and I really don't know what to expect. And I t of course, like if you knew me before the season started, I was all in on the Colts winning this division. Um, I still think I am because it's so early in the season and a lot can change. And But I mean, the Titans are not out of this thing yet. The, obviously, the Jaguars... Jesus Christ. Obviously, the Jaguars just obliterated the Chargers, so... I guess we'll have to wait and see. Either way, you got to be really impressed if you're a Colts fan and very excited. Okay, last game I'm going to talk about because I do have to get to the gym and I have work in a little bit. So let's wrap this up. Let's talk about what do I want to talk about? Because I've got two. I've got notes for two games here. I've got notes for the Saints Panthers games, and I've got notes for the 49ers Broncos game. I guess let's go with the 49ers Broncos, um, and that's purely because I'm disappointed about that Saints game. If I'm being honest, I really thought the Saints were going to get it done. Um, not that I put money on anything on it, thank God, because part of me did think the Panthers were just going to find a way. I feel like it was like a correction game for the Panthers, and Jameis Winston just looked so bad to end that Tampa game last week. And obviously we know he's dealing with, is it broken ribs? Is he dealing with broken oh, No, it's, I think he's, fra he's a fracture in his back or something awful like that. So, anyways, LaVishka Chenault, want to give him a shout-out because he made a really big play in that game. But we're not going to talk about that game. Um, great for the Panthers to get their... W done. Um, Jeremy Chin had a really clutch interception this game. Want to give him a shout out too. The Panthers just got it done. And that's with Baker Mayfield honestly having a really bad game. I think he had like a 48% completion rate or something like that. Let me, let me check actually. Yeah, 12 for 15. So below 50% completion rate, only 170 yards. That's really, really not good. <laughs> Especially because considering one of them, one of his catches went for like well, how far did Lavishka go for? I think it was like 50 plus or something like that. Uh, maybe 60, honestly. I mean, he had two catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. So obviously one of the catches was quite the distance. And so that just completely pads his stats and make it, makes it look even better than it actually is. Uh, regardless, I if you're a DJ Moore owner like myself, you're so fucking frustrated right now. But that's, that's not the point. Anyways, I really don't want to talk about this game because this was just ugly. Uh, the Saints ended up putting a ton of garbage time fantasy points up so if Chris Olave if he's still not picked up in your league go pick him up I don't know why he wouldn't be at this point because 
he's a dog. I think most people realize he's a dog, and his volume is absolutely there. He's the solidified wide receiver, too, in this offense, and he gets a lot, and I mean a lot, of volume in the deep passing game. So definitely worth picking up there. Um, and yeah, the Saints just kind of saved their stats just by having a lot of garbage time points. Uh, Jameis ended up finishing with like 353 passing yards or something like that. So again, saved by garbage time. But Chris Olave, nine receptions, 147 yards. I need to stop talking about this game because I literally said I'm not going to. And next thing you know, I'm analyzing the whole thing. Let's talk about the 49ers versus the Broncos. Again, just... Ugh. Just so ugly. Just what, what a terrible primetime game. The Broncos find a way to get it done, but I mean, there was really nothing to write home about. Not impressed by anything they saw. Javante Williams didn't even look as good as he's looked in the previous weeks. I guess the bright spot in this team right now really has to be Corlin Sutton. He's looking like a solidified wide receiver one. Um, if you paid the price in fantasy football and got him in like the fifth or sixth round, it's looking like a valuable pick. He gets a lot of volume. He's looking like by far and away Russ's favorite target, but... We were all kind of expecting that. Um, excuse me. But other than that, I mean, Russ did not really look impressive. When his biggest highlight of the game is a chest pass that goes for like five yards, that's when you know it's just not a clean game. He was averaging something like less than 10 yards per completion. It, it, was, it was just not good football, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And then, of course, we all know what happened with Jimmy G. One, he had a pretty bad interception, but two... The safety, man, that's, that's, yeah, just really, really ugly stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. I believe this only happened like one other time in NFL history. It was Dan Orlovsky, and he got shit on for literally years. Still gets shit on about that play, and then Jimmy G goes and does the exact same thing. So, fuck, just a really, really, really ugly game. This is the type of game that Niners fans just pull their hair out at, and this is the exact type of game that they drafted Trey Lance for. So, it's just so frustrating because you know you're so much better than that. And even as a Broncos fan, like, the defense entirely kept you guys in this one, and I, obviously, shout out Zach, if you're listening to this, which you're definitely not, but shout out Zach Nelson. He's a huge Broncos fan, and he texted me before the game. He just wanted to see something. He just wants to see just some, just give him some hope. Give him something to root for. Give him something to be excited about. And if you're a Broncos fan, you're still waiting for that. You have to be extremely disappointed and frustrated with what the Broncos have put up. So, man, they're 2-1. They have a winning record, but you definitely expect better. This episode is turning out to be a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, and I still have to get to the gym. So I'm going to wrap this up now. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to follow this account. Be sure to share it with your friends, and be sure to follow my Instagram, at Murphy's League. That's going to be it for me, guys, and I hope you enjoyed it. Peace out. Have a great day.